0: Good morning, guys. Looks like the party's already started. Happy birthday, Bass. Well, thanks, Mark, and uh, appreciate your birthday video. You said, you know, about awesome. Yeah, you had the the uh, Lou Holtz mask on. That was outside. I didn't know there was such a thing as the Lou Holtz mask. I've had that thing for
1: about fifteen years. I just keep it in the hopper until I
0: need it. Now, how old? uh, How old are you? Uh, I know you're obviously in your sixties, but how old are you, Mark? 63. All right, 63. So you're three years older than me and Roger. Roger turns 60 next uh, is it Wednesday or Thursday, Roger, next Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, how, how was 60? As a guy, listen, as a guy who played professional in college football, you keep yourself in such good shape. You're, you're never overweight. Uh, do you have any joint issues at all in your in your 60s?
1: Oh, absolutely. I've had them for a long time. It's just you got to take care of yourself and try to keep the muscles strong around the joint. That's about the only thing that really helps it. So that's why I, I work out like an idiot every day.
0: Well, you look you look amazing. You look yeah. like you still still play. By the way, too, you know, remember, um, now K C and the Sunshine Band, you had them at your event this year, right? Yes, did well you talking about somebody who probably needs to lose some weight, is his is K C. Wow. He was wow. he was just he was just at Oakland, uh racing casino resort here and he it reminds me of me. Uh but, but I, 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 tell give, I, I give you what? give give him credit, he's up there singing, Mark, he doesn't. Sold out. Yeah, he gets around pretty good. He dances and spins and gets
1: around pretty good up there on the stage. I was really, I was really impressed. He's like seventy-one of them. Yeah. I know,
0: I know. And then, yeah, he's he's ballooned up, but I guess he's yeah. not shy. He just just be shake a little bit more. Got a little bit more to shake, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's a happy man. Uh, what did you think of the Razorbacks' performance? You know, down at uh, Ole Miss, the defense really does a good job of, you know, holding Ole Miss way below its average, and you're leading in the game twenty to seventeen in the fourth quarter. Just can't get it done.
1: Yeah, that's one thing that's been surprising about this team this year is the defense. It hasn't been special, but it's been better than than anyone expected, and better than last year because you thought that they would crater, and they've been in there hanging in there every game, at least keeping the score. Tight in just about every game they played this year, until the end where they just collapse because they just can't keep up with the other with the opposition.
0: Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. Now you go to uh, Alabama, you've, you've lost to them 16 years in a row. It's not your typical Alabama team. You know, they're ranked 80th in offense, which is almost hard to believe that, uh, you know, after what we've seen with all their great quarterbacks and running backs. But uh, you're playing 11 o'clock, you know, maybe they might be sleepwalking a little bit, maybe catch them when they're, you know, not really fired up. But here's a crazy record. Uh, Nick Saban is 26-0 and for games that start uh, 1130 or earlier. So there you go.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> Good. That doesn't sound good. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah I the thing about Alabama's offense, if you look at it, you know, last week they finally woke up and started throwing the ball vertically because you are looking to see what wide receiver would step up for Alabama because they have had so many great ones over the past decade or so. And Jalen Milrow found one. He found you know he finally found, found one, in Jermaine Burton that had a big day, almost 200 yards receiving and three touchdowns, and they were all deep bombs. So that's one thing. If the defense has got to be prepared for, they're going to try to get those quick strikes with this offense because they hadn't done it all season long. Now they're finally putting it together, and it's starting to come together for Alabama offensively. So it's got to be interesting to see what they do from this point on on out.
0: We're lucky to have, Raj, to have uh, Dan Hampton, who obviously a Hall of Famer. you got Mark May, who's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Dan on the defensive side of the ball, Mark on the offensive side of the ball. So I wanted to ask you, from your perspective, a guy who won Super Bowls, so Sam Pittman's trying to push anybody he can just to try to get some traction running the ball, which we've struggled to do. So I don't know if you saw last week they moved – we talked about it, They moved Latham and Kudus and just, you know, moved them around. And then about halfway through the game, I think Kudus, who I think is a true freshman, a rusher freshman, was struggling, I think, at center. You know, that's not easy to go, go from tackle to center. And so they moved it back. They moved everybody back to where they were supposed to be. How, how is that, you know, as an offensive lineman, is that something – this just shows how desperate they are trying to find something that works, or is that just something they shouldn't even try in the first place?
1: That's, I think it's an act of desperation. Yeah. Usually you don't want to do that, particularly moving somebody in the center position because that's where all the calls are made on the offensive line. And the thing is you've got to have that relationship with the quarterback and have enough time with them to get the snaps. The one thing about the offensive line is that's the only union on the field that all five guys have to be on the same page because if one guy takes one wrong step, it breaks the play down. So it's not like defense where you can just put a guy out there and say, stick him and go get the ball. So it's one of those things on the offensive line. You need that continuity, and you need the relationship player to player because it's all about communication. If you don't know who to block, it doesn't matter if you know how to block. Wow. So I don't care if you're the best run blocker in the world. If you don't block the right guy or take the right step or go the right way, it's not going to help the offense. The, so the, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for efficiency, and they're looking for that communication. And it's an experiment that they're trying. You know, you're right now, you're, you're, you're looking, you need to win a game. So you need, you need to try something to win a game. So you might as well experiment with it and give it a shot because right now, you know, you've got to pull out every plug and try to find out who you have and how you have them and how good they are.
0: I'm going to ask you the same question that Roger asked Dan Hampton and from an offensive lineman standpoint. The other thing, that, uh, Mark, is crazy is these offside penalties, you know, uh, pre-snap penalties, movement. Where, you know, these guys are when the defensive line, not linemen are stimming or shifting, we're jumping off sides. And, it, you know, we didn't have any against any and that we went back last week against Ole Miss and had 10 5 on the offensive side of the ball. What the is that just a lack of focus or intensity when that happens, you know, because you know you practice it and then you get in the game and they just continue to struggle with it.
1: It's a lot of things. lack of concentration. It may be that the player is fatigued, that the player's not focusing enough. And the thing is those are what drive coaches crazy because those are things that can be those things you work on in practice. Those are the things every day you go out and you prepare for and you practice. when you get to a game, you don't do that. And unfortunately that happens once it starts happening, you know players have to get refocused again. And it's not about grabbing the guy by the face mask and yelling and screaming at us it's about communication. What did you see? Why did you jump off sides? Why did you have that movement? Were you not focused? Did you not communicate? Did you hear something? All those things factor in there, particularly on the offensive line. So, you know, those things can be corrected, and all it is is up to the players to focus. If you're fatigued, let us know. We'll put somebody else in. If it's a focus issue where you can't concentrate, let us know. We'll put somebody else in. But you've got to find out the root cause of those issues because otherwise they'll keep popping up.
2: Guys, I know that they move a tackle or a center to a tackle, but they didn't put a tackle at center they had uh, a backup center I'm sure so that continuity has to work. Yes. No they move co- they move Kudas to, to tackle to center. Okay. They did and, and, and that's and my then, question. They, then they moved how do you in. do that? Yeah well how do you ta- now a tackle a center to a tackle is one thing. But a tackle to a center, I mean to me that would be the most difficult of the two tasks, yes?
1: Yeah it is. And I've done that before, basically in games in the N F L because I played all positions before and that's why I played a long time in the NFL because I knew all the positions. And the thing is, if you practice it, that's fine. If you don't practice it, that's an issue. But if a guy that's 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 played center, let's say last year and moved to tackle this year, he'll have that response. We'll go back and we'll come back to him. But the thing is, you still have to have that communication and that continuity with the with the quarterback. You know, even if it's shotgun, if you haven't taken, if you haven't practiced shotgun snaps, yeah. it's an off skill. If you're doing it every day in practice, it's not a big deal. But if you're doing it like three or four plays in practice and you go back to tackle, it could become an issue in the game because once you get in the game, it's a whole different ball game because it's all live at that point.
2: Listen, center is like texting and driving. I use that analogy because it's it's so dangerous. You got a lot of things you got to do. You, yeah. There's a ton of things. Yeah. you've got to snap the ball. You've got to get off the ball. You've got to hit, but block your man. man. Man, you've got to look up and down as often as you. I mean, dude, that is that is a very difficult job. uh, So I I just think that was crazy to move. uh. Yeah, and then when
1: they line up a three hundred pound nose tackle right across your nose, that makes it a lot difficult. (laughs) Yeah, man. Especially not only on your nose. If they put them on your shoulder, that's where you have to snap the ball and reach to the right or reach to the left and Mm. get across that guy, even though you know the snap count. That's extremely difficult. I've yeah. done it before. It
0: ain't easy. I do you want to thank Edwards Food, Giant and Dugan's Pub for sponsoring Mark May? We uh, we asked Hampton, uh, Dan Hampton about the game uh, Sunday, so we need to give you your opportunity. Yeah, yeah. The Cowboys got just throttled. Uh, Sunday night, and, and did you, if you're the Cowboys, Mark, you have to be looking around going, man, you know, we're trying to say that we're a serious contender, yeah. and just to get dominated like that, I mean, uh, did you see that coming, and, and what do you think that spells for the uh, the Cowboys? Can they bounce back and be a contender? You think that pretty much tells us who they are?
1: Well, I thought that defense would play a lot better than they did. I didn't think they right. get manhandled like yeah. they did in that game against the 49ers. But the thing about the 49ers is this is one thing. If you're not physical on both sides of the ball, they will beat you up. Mm. And they beat everybody up. They're just a team that's a cut above. That's their attitude. That's how they attack you on offense, on defense, on special teams. And look at every team that the 49ers play. Look at the following week. See how many guys are on the injured list and how that team performs the following week. They don't play that well. So I won't expect the Cowboys to play that well against the Chargers. Not only that, look at the injury list. They've got about five or six guys that are injured. They've got guys on defense, linebackers, guys on the offensive line. When you play the 49ers, you're going to pay a price. And the Cowboys felt that price. So if you want to get to that next level, you better start getting physical because that was not a physical football team that you saw for the Dallas Cowboys. That was a team that got dominated and pushed around on both sides of the ball.
2: Do they make a Cowboy do they make a quarterback change or they look really, really based on based on now, anything's possible. Uh, but but when we talk about the, the Razorbacks being uh, the, the Arkansas doing an Arkansas thing and pulling out an upset at Alabama after losing all the other games that we've got on a year like this, Cowboys are doing uh, the most cowboy thing, and that's get all the accolades and praise that uh, uh, that they can, and come out strong and look good, uh, and then just turn back into uh, uh, the pumpkin.
1: Yeah, but look at who they defeated. they defeated the Jets, right. Giants, New England. Look at the records of those teams. Right. Cardinals, they beat yeah. up on them, right. and They look really good, and everybody's like, wow, oh, they're looking really good. They're the Dallas Cowboys. We're all back mm-hmm. again. All of a sudden, they got to meet another bully, and they got smacked back. They yeah. And the thing this weekend, you don't think Kellen Moore's not dialing up some plays for his quarterback right now for the Chargers? Sure. You know, after what they didn't embarrass them before?
2: Yeah. There's you don't
1: it. think that team's got to be ready?
2: And, Dan and right
1: now the Cowboys are real, and I don't care who they're going to play this week. They're going to have a tough time fielding a team and going four quarters this this
2: week. Oh, they, yeah, they're real, and, and the fans are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cowboy fans are the same. Uh, Dan Hampton said he heard a little birdie say that uh, Jimmy Johnson would be on the Charger sideline this week. He
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, might be because he's going to be in L.A.
2: Yeah, that's, <laughs> right, that's right. You know, he also talked about uh, uh, your head coach with the Commanders, uh, thinking that uh, he's on his way out, Mark. Uh, and he took uh, he took Atlanta and the points uh, uh, against your old team. What do you think the about that?
1: The thing about it is, Ron is you know Riverboat Ron, and for this year, for some reason, when he should have gone for two, when he should have liked pressing the ball, when he should have put put pressure on the, the opposing defense, he hasn't done that. And you've got a new ownership group in Washington that just paid six billion plus for that franchise. You don't have any ties to Ron Rivera. You don't have any ties to the front office. Right. You don't have any ties to the coaching staff. That's, that's just right. something you – most of the things can be replaced. You know, paying off coaches now, that's just pocket money for these owners because it's not like the old days where owners didn't want to pay a guy like for three years that he owed $250,000 a year as a head coach. Now coaches are making $50,000, and these owners are billionaires. That's just a drop of the bucket. That's just a statistical error. They're just going to write it off. So it's not a big deal, and if you're going to put your name on a franchise, yep. you want your people in there. So I wouldn't surprise if Ramirez doesn't make the playoffs this year. Wouldn't shock me at all. If he's gone.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jackie Sherrill, your old coach, is coming to speak to the Touchdown Club on Monday, Mark.
1: Awesome, awesome. He'll do a great job. You'll enjoy it. You'll have a good time.
0: He's still just as sharp. A guy who's 80, not that it means you can't be sharp at 80. But yeah, because we're 60. He's he's he's, he's still <laughs> he's still locked in. You can tell he's a, he's a sharp dude.
1: Oh, absolutely. One thing about Jackie that a lot of people didn't know. He was a master of recruiting talent and developing talent. Look at all the players that he had at Texas A&M, at Mississippi State, at Pittsburgh that were first-round picks, second-round picks that played in the NFL for a long time. And Not only that, Jackie was ahead of the curb in special teams. We spent so much time on special teams at Pittsburgh. That's why our special teams are so solid at Pittsburgh. Now, a lot of schools didn't do that, but he was ahead of the curb a long time ago.
0: And uh, Raj Bruce James told me yesterday that uh, Jackie Sherrill was the last player for Bear Bryant to go both ways. So he was, right? he was under. He was in the Bear Pryant uh, tree, and was he and, one of the
2: Junction City boys? I don't think no, so. It was a but, little but later. But,
0: but interesting. The, the reason he got his one year at Arkansas as assistant coach is that he and Bear and Frank used to trade assistant coaches oh. in, in GAs. That's how. That's how he had spent his one year at uh, Arkansas under how about Frank. That? Yeah. Mark, great stuff as always, buddy. Thank you so Thank much. You, Have a Mark. great weekend. All right,
1: guys. Happy birthday, Bass. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Thanks.